evening. This is The Pipeline. Believe it or not, your eyes are working just fine. <laughs> I'm not Derek. I'm not Dave. I'm not Nigel. And I'm definitely not Corey. I am your host tonight, James Finkbeiner. And I am joined by uh, our copy editor, our Holmes reporter, our veteran, uh, veteran. boss guy around here, <laughs> Mike, uh, Mike Thomas. And uh, we're also joined tonight by our business reporter, Vancouver traffic reporter, uh, Sean Polzer. How are you guys doing this evening? We're good and good. Doing well. good. Awesome. Everybody's had a good day today so far. It's Lots of stuff going on. Yep. Oh, it's been a busy day. Bunch of bad news, but a bunch of good news too. Indeed. All right. Well, before we get started, we're just going to say a big thank you to uh, one of our favorite sponsors, the Canadian Shooting Sports Association. If uh, you're a firearms owner or uh, you're friends with a firearms owner, you should check out the CSSA. They are protecting your gun rights, your property rights, and they are taking the Trudeau government to task on their uh, attempted gun bans and gun grabs. For more information on them, check them out, CSSACILA.org. All right. Well, obviously, the biggest news story of the week so far has been uh, the federal court um, ruling that the Trudeau liberals uh, broke the Constitution when they invoked the Emergencies Act. So, uh, Mike, why don't you break down this story for us a little bit more? Um, It didn't surprise me at all, that ruling, because it's 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 the truth. Uh, I remember two years ago when the trucks were rolling into Ottawa, and I wrote, a, I wrote a column about it and said, this is great, but how are they going to be accepted in Ottawa? We all know that story, but it's, it's really, really refreshing to see the federal court go, no, 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 that was wrong, and you got to fix it. Not surprisingly, Trudeau's government is now going to appeal it, so who knows where it goes from there. Hopefully, the appeal gets shut down. Yeah, so, uh, Sean... Uh tell me about this appeal how would they appeal it because looking at the ruling and what was written i'm not seeing very many very much wiggle room here the judge even came out and admitted admitted that he was biased against the protesters before the ruling and wrote that into his ruling and that's rare on its own well my understanding is that um because it is in a federal court that it can be appealed so uh the federal court and the federal court of appeal are kind of one and the same thing, but uh, it seems that they would be able to appeal that specific ruling. And uh, I'm not sure what would happen after that, but uh, it would go to the Supreme Court. Yeah. I it, don't know who would challenge the ruling. Maybe it would be the same parties that brought it forth, yeah. the Constitutional Foundation, and, uh, and then it's going to the Supreme Court. And I'm pretty sure this is exactly where this is going to wind up. Yeah. So uh, the uh, it's uh, Christine Van Guyan, I believe, sorry, I probably butchered that, from the Canadian Constitution Foundation. And of course, they were joined with our friends at uh, the uh, CCFR, John Carpe, and uh, the Canadian Centre, oh wait, that was the Canadian Centre for Firearms Rights. So, <laughs> sorry, CSSA. So, we, uh, the Justice Centre for Constitutional Freedoms. There you go. We have so many acronym clubs going on. So, uh, those groups... They, they grouped together and then they fought this uh, at the, the federal courts. And, and, and now we've got this ruling. I don't see that they're going to give up the fight on this at all. And, and you know, the, the ruling that came out was pretty damning, uh, specifically around the unlawful uh, search and seizure, the seizure of the bank accounts. Um, what kind of fallout could we see from that seizures now? Well, we were talking around this morning that it's 
highly ironic that um, it is a Trudeau government that is trampling on two signature pieces of his father's legacy, yeah. which happened to be the War Measures Act, just watch me, and also uh, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which is what the Emergencies Act was uh, meant to replace, because the War Measures Act, you know, as we know, it dates back to World War One, and it's only yeah. been invoked a handful of times, including the FL acute crisis in yep. Quebec. So there was a bit of an irony there. Uh, the other irony was that um, he made uh, Deputy Prime Minister Christopher Freeland basically stand up and answer for it because he didn't really have the courage to do it on his own. I, well, I mean, it, what happened when the, the protesters showed up? He had COVID, went in hiding, and so did half of the ministers. They, they refused, refused to talk to him. Yeah, they refused to meet with any of the protesters. They even refused to meet with the protester surrogates and lawyers. They just, no, we're not talking to them. Uh, I believe he called them a small fringe minority with unacceptable views. And tin hats. Yeah, tin <laughs> hats. But, you know, bullies are cowards. So yeah. it's hardly a surprise that he would do that. Oh, exactly. It's, you know, it's just another thing in a long line uh, of his missteps. And it, if anything, it shows his arrogance. Yeah. Uh, he, he, this is, I, this is the third case, I believe now, or third law that's been a pinnacle of his uh, leadership that's now been ruled unconstitutional by uh, courts in, in the country. And he has vowed to appeal all of them. I, I think even uh, Alberta Premier Daniel Smith said that the UCP, if they appeal this, would intervene as well. As an intervener, yes. yeah. Yeah. yeah so and she also cited the uh, plastics ban, uh, the environmental review ban. You know, now we've got uh, emissions caps, <laughs> you know, clean electricity regulations. You know, there, there's a whole list. Of, about, about the only one that they've actually managed to put through was the price on the carbon, the carbon tax. Yeah. And so that that was one of the only ones that ended up in the Supreme Court as well. And the Supreme Court ruled that perhaps there is enough of an existential crisis that the only way to combat climate change is nationally. Right. They don't actually debate the science around climate change, just whether or not the federal government has the power to impose that, uh, I guess it, it's, uh, what do they call it, a levy? It's a carbon levy. Yeah. But uh, it's as as you noted, though it's on a national, so it's it like on a national scale, not doesn't necessarily give them the authority to start going after singular provinces and singular sectors of the economy. the The notion of that ruling was is that it was going to be applied equally through all sectors. So, uh, one of the other things that's like interesting with this is. If, if you're the prime minister and you're sitting around looking at your cabinet table, and now this is the third law that's been, you know, a big part of your leadership and, and your time as prime minister, do you start looking at your attorney generals and say, why does every law we try to pass get struck down? And, and do you start to regroup and maybe consider the constitution before you start making laws going I don't, forward? Or I don't think the prime minister is of that mind. No. No, he uh, <laughs> he's got an agenda, and and like I said, it, it just, he's pushing it through. He's a bully, and uh, damn the bridges! I don't think he cares. No, well, uh, it would it would take a little bit of um, you know reasoning, <laughs> some kind of sober second thinking, because you, if you think about it, pretty much everything that they've done in this last term has been unconstitutional. I mean, you know, since the liberals have been in power, I think the most secure and best career you could have ever been in was a lawyer. <laughs> because since day one, there have been nothing but lawsuits, lawsuits, lawsuits. And that's between the provinces and the feds, uh, between the citizens and the provinces. Everybody is just going to court over everything, which th this ruling now is going to open the floodgates, I think, 
on, on class action lawsuits. The, the folks who had their bank accounts frozen are going to have a very good case that the government acted illegally in, in freezing their assets. And oh, I, yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think that that when all of that was taking place two years ago, uh, initially people were, they were afraid of mm -hmm. a number of different things. And I'm not talking just about the people in Ottawa who were afraid of the convoy and bouncy castles because they're scary. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. SpongeBob. <laughs> but I think I think people reacted in fear, like like okay, what is really going on? What is going on? And that fear factor, uh, I think this lifted it for sure. Mm -hmm. It took it took the any kind of fear that they were having back then out of it. And I, I, I'll bet you dollars to donuts uh, there will be a class action suit with the, the 500 plus bank account people or people who had their bank accounts frozen. Yeah. Because uh, they got a really good case right now. Oh, well, definitely. I remember when this was all happening that, uh, you know, my thoughts were, were like, is there some kind of an insurrection going on in here? You know, like they're raising funds and funding money and they're talking about uh, tents full of guns you know, off Parliament Hill and all this kind of stuff. And then foreign interference and foreign actors. And yep. and you kind of thought like, well, geez, is well, this but, really a revolution? You know, but that I, all that came from from the other side of the Freedom Convoy. And, you know, they're just, it's propaganda. And then they're trying to increase the, the fear factor and what bad people they are and stuff like that. So they'll bring in fake stuff like that, like the, the Nazi flag. Yeah. Uh, totally fake. Um, but people, Canadians, I mean, people are busy. They're, they're doing what they do. And they look at that on TV, on the evening news, or, and they're going, oh, wow, this is bad. This is really bad if that's happening and that's happening. And then you start talking to each other, and that just makes it worse. Yeah. So this ruling, I think people go, wow, okay, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe it's, it's okay to go after them now and, take, and, get, and, and get even, if you, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I mean, there was even polls coming out, uh, I believe, uh, I think the last one I was looking at was from November 2022. And over 70% of the, the Canadians polled in that poll were against the convoy. Yep. But if you go back to the mainstream's media coverage, uh, the way the politicians had phrased everything, uh, even Jagmeet Singh has now come out saying, well, I didn't support the use of the Emergencies Act. But everybody's sharing the letter that you wrote, Jagmeet. No. We, we can read it. We have memories. The internet doesn't forget. But it's it's fascinating that the judge, and if that judge was just going off of what he's seen in the media, what he was hearing from his politicians, no wonder why he went in thinking that all of the, the protesters were guilty of sin. Yeah. But now you have someone who has gone through and looked at every single aspect of this case, and, and he's saying, no, this was inappropriate. There was no threat to Canada's national security. We can argue if there was a threat to Canada's economic security, specifically around the border blockades. But, you know, in Coots, there's three other border crossings, all within a couple of hours of Coots. Yep. All of the traffic was rooted around it. Were they 24-hour crossings? No. Did it slow things down? Absolutely. Should they have shut the border down and closed the road? Absolutely not. <clears throat> but I don't see if one border crossing is so important to the economic interests of Canada we may have bigger problems here that we need to diversify our borders and, and you know, beef up our, our security and our economic stability. But I don't think that was the problem. I mean, we got a lot of border crossings, as you point out. Coots is maybe the highest profile because of where it is. And so if you're going to have a blockade, that's where you have it. Should mm. you have had the blockade? No, I don't agree with that at all. And you got, it's also got to remember the blockade was not part of the Freedom Convoy. 
And no. nor, nor was the blocking the Ambassador Bridge. No. That wasn't the people in Ottawa. It's, I mean, uh, should they have done it? Again, no, they shouldn't have. But it's a matter of, of where you're going to get the most publicity, where you're going to get the most media exposure. And Coots is the answer. Certainly not Roosevelt in, in BC. Sure. And you know, it's funny because um, a week before the Coots border blockade, and this is when the trucker convoy was already going on, a caller called in to, uh, I believe it was uh, QR77, you know, uh, Shay Ganim, the talk show there, and said there is going to be a blockade at Coots yep. next week, and this is going to be big, and it's going to be even bigger than what's going on in Ottawa. Yep. And really, the problem in Ottawa was just the lack of preparation from the police. They, mm -hmm. you know, they knew these guys were coming. They yeah. had 10 days to prepare for it and they just, they didn't. So when you've got a bunch of rowdy hooligans in the hot tubs and peeing, oh, drinking beer in the streets, peeing on the war Castle. memorial. That's yeah. the thing. I mean, I, so I was in Coots. Um, the, the story with that is yeah. uh, it was, it was actually the Western standard. We got sent a message from a source in the trucking community that I know. Uh, I passed the information on to uh, Melanie Risden. We started working the story and, and yeah, we found out there was, but there was three groups of coots. There was farmers, yep. there was the truckers, yep. and uh, then there was uh, some more freedom oriented uh, folks that were there. Um, I don't know. I, I don't want to get into the conspiracy theories on who those people were and what they believed and what they stood for. You know, there may be some evidence that part of those protesters did have a plan to engage with the police. You know, that's going to come out in court as well. Um, but the the overwhelming majority of the people that were there were were tired of the the COVID, COVID restrictions. They had gone too far and they had gone on for too long and they were concerned about themselves, their own health and for the health of their kids. They did not want to overthrow the government. Uh, their group in Coots wanted to have coffee with Jason Kenney, and that is hardly a scary situation. <laughs> yeah, right. and, and the demands out of uh, out of Ottawa were meet with us. I, I've never, I, have you guys ever heard of any government that was overthrown by a meeting? No. no. And also, uh, it seems to me with the Coots, uh, because the border was open for cross-border trucking traffic, even though it was closed to uh, tourist traffic and pedestrian traffic. And it was when they imposed the uh, vaccine restrictions on the drivers when, yep, when they it. were crossing back. And that was causing delays that that the protest originally came out. From. And that just that just shines a light on, on how stupid and, and thoughtless the, the restrictions were. Well, I, I, a guy I had a big truck all by himself. Got to get vaccinated. That for the, last, yeah. for the last two years at that point had been able to work safely without uh, becoming massive carriers, without causing massive outbreaks. There was no issues. But also, let's not forget that uh, Trudeau and uh, the transportation minister at the time, um, Omar, um, so I'm, I'm spacing on his name, yeah. but they were about to pass uh, interprovincial vaccine mandates for truck drivers as well, yeah. which means... You know, some of these guys had already lost the ability to enter the United States because of the United States' vaccine uh, mandate, which they dropped soon after. Uh, but then we were going to, what were they going to do? Were, were they going to post up the sheriffs or the RCMP at the Alberta well, Saskatchewan exactly, border yeah, and ask for vaccine blockade, Let me see it. Well, they were doing that. They were, uh, if you drove in through uh, BC and you crossed BC, the border, they were, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, yeah. people were getting their cars key scratched. Uh, we got chased around downtown Vernon basically because we had Alberta plates. Yeah, so I like it was it was a wild time. It, it was, was crazy. crazy. But you know the 
the, the even still, uh, Christian Freeland yesterday repeated several times that there was this existential threat to the health and safety of Canadians. But everything that we've seen come out of it, and even uh, even the the Rollo uh, um, uh, that report, you know, that one said that what they did was constitutional. But none of these reports have ever actually indicated that there was a threat to Canadians' health or safety no. at at all. You know, and and I was in Arizona when everything got clamped down here, like mm-hmm. in in early twenty one when everything got bad, and in Arizona. The, it was totally different down there. Yeah, um, they they treated adults like they were adults, which they didn't do here. Yeah. it's like we've we've got to cuddle all our little children who are forty five years old and keep them safe. Down there, no masks. There was a big signs on all the stores. If you want to wear a mask, that's fine, but you don't have to. Yeah, um, and it, it was handled so much differently. Yeah, and and the the sense down there was okay. You have, something's going on, I guess we should look after ourselves. Whereas up here, we were corralled and, and herded around like like cattle. Yeah, it, like, if you look, uh, Canada and Australia had some of the oh. strangest and strictest lockdowns and, and COVID rules in, yeah. in place in the entire world. Canada and Australia were some of the hardest hit countries too. Well, China had some pretty um, bad restrictions. And uh, when I, I think the turning point for me was when uh, they had locked all those people up into that apartment building and there was a fire and all the people died. Yep. Yeah. And, and the government was using the restrictions basically as a means to keep people from protesting. And yeah, exactly. And I think, I think that the ruling from the Fed court now um, is going to go back and look at all that stuff in its various forms of, of restrictions and stuff like that and shine a brighter light on it uh, in terms of maybe there is something that can be done uh, for the people people who made those bad decisions. I'm not suggesting they be punished, but at least learn a lesson from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, well, is there a lesson? Like, are the feds going to learn a lesson here? Like, like I said, we've got three different cases now ruled unconstitutional. They've been told to stay in their lane. They've continued. Uh, like, Stephen Gilboa has not taken the, the foot off the gas pedal on plastics at all, even yeah. though the courts have just said no. And, I mean... Not going to get too far into our next topic here, but uh, it, 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 does this at least restore some faith? Because I think Canadians have lost a bit of faith in our judiciary and our judicial system. Do you think this kind of ruling restores some faith and says that, no, there's actually quite a lot of very good people inside the judiciary in this country? I don't know. I don't know if, if that's uh, what I'm hoping is that people who have been on the sidelines either who bought into the whole thing or just sat back and went, this doesn't look right, but kept quiet, that people will now be motivated to come forward and make some noise with the politicians because there's only one thing that scares a politician and that's not getting reelected. And if the people stand up and wave flags and go, you're out of here unless you do this, this, and the other thing, um, they're not going to do anything. Yeah. But the people need to stand up and go, enough is enough. And if they want to revisit what happened, they should do that and talk among their, they should sit down with people they know and say, we have to get together and do something about this because we can do something about this at the, at the polling booths. And, and just by making a lot of noise, instead of the politicians scaring the populace, the populace need to rise up with the pitchforks and the torches, you know, and scare the politicians. Well, my impression of this whole thing is it, it doesn't really restore any of 
my faith in the justice system. No. But I think what it does is it re reinforces uh, some of that anger that's out there and uh, some of those old divisions. And it's like, you know, see, we told you so, like, all the way along, and we were right, and you're wrong. And they're going to go ahead and appeal it. So oh, for sure. Uh, I was uh, lucky enough to host the Corey Morgan show earlier today, and the comments, like, there was people in there, and they said, no, we're, we're going to sue. Yeah. We are going to and come back after you. And you know what? I hope I hope you all win. I do. Uh, I'm a little upset that it's tax dollars. I wish our politicians would start respecting the money that we're paying them instead of pumping them all into these legal cases. If you do what you're elected to do and do or and 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 you do what you said you were going to do, you're not going to have everybody taking every single policy to court. So one of the other things that's happened out of this now is a um uh, a Liberal MP from Newfoundland, I believe it's Ken McDonald, has yep. now called for a leadership review of uh, Justin Trudeau. Yes. And we've seen when people started calling for a leadership review of Jason Kenney, that ball started rolling and that ball didn't stop rolling. Do we think this is going to pick up momentum here in the next few months? I think, I think uh, yes, yes, short answer. Um, I think that, again, when there's, when there's a a leader of, of, of things that people have been afraid to undertake by themselves, but understand now that there's possibly a group of people who will join in and do that kind of thing. Um, more people will join in and do that. So I think it'll have an effect and I think it'll, it could snowball, but again, people have to get involved. I'm not so sure. I think that it's because of the liberal power base is so concentrated you know out in Atlantic Canada it's a little bit of an outlier and we've seen some of these things with the fuel oil and you know those guys are genuinely scared that they're not going to get reelected. but I mean you start coming out west here we've got like what two in Alberta two and yeah. they're they're gone like I mean they're those uh, they're, the conservatives were out door knocking in um in Calgary Skyview here last weekend so really? uh they're 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 taking aim at uh, George Shahal and uh, I think he's going to have a, a big fight in the, in the next election. But speaking of former liberals and former liberal ministers and Alberta liberal ministers, uh, Amarjeet Sohi, Jody Gondek, <laughs> Calgary and Edmonton's war on lunch. But not just Calgary and Edmonton, Banff. Banff, Banff is in on this too. So, Sean, you wrote the, the article on this. Why don't, why, uh, please explain this to me. <laughs> Oh my God, how do we begin here? Yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> let's frame it against the backdrop of the single-use plastics ban, which has been overturned by the Un Constitution, right? So now what we're doing is we're putting charges on uh, compostable and reusable paper bags. Yeah. We're increasing the charges on the reusable cloth bags. Uh, we're trying to eliminate uh, ketchup packets and uh disposable cups from our landfills. So, uh, you know, you got to think this has been done in Vancouver already for more than a year and a half. So what, what did ever happen in Vancouver is going to be coming here. Uh, Edmonton last week just cranked up the price on its uh, reusable bags. And so these are the ones for the shopping. I think most people have kind of already got their head around grocery shopping that you bring your reusable bag. Yep. But now those are two bucks in Edmonton. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, uh, now they're also doing them in the restaurants, right? So if you, when you go through your fast food and your takeout, I think it was uh, publisher Derek there was complaining that they put his food on a tray and they put it out of his car <laughs> to come out and get it. Uh, yeah. Or pay 15 cents. And of course, you know that he's not going to pay 15 But that means yeah. that even paying 15 cents, they're saying don't use these bags unless you pay for them. Uh, 
but we want to keep these bags out of the landfills unless you pay for them. Then it's okay. Yeah. None of this makes any sense. No. Uh, like, we already pay for our compost. The paper bags are compostable. Yeah. Uh, even a paper bag that goes into the environment, believe it or not, it's also compostable. So I, I understand wanting to reduce waste. I, I do. We're, hum, humans are just inherently wasteful. Uh, but, you know, inflation, the cost of living, and just living life is inconvenient enough. Yeah. And now yeah. you're going to get, like, what, you were supposed to carry lunch kits around with us everywhere. Uh, you know, when you go out for the night, sometimes you don't expect to take anything home. Uh, I usually eat a portion of my meal and, and then I'll save the rest. But now you're telling me that I can't have a bag to take that home. You have to bring your little lunch bucket. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's a great idea. I used to have my Bobby Orr lunch kit when I was in school. <laughs> well, <laughs> and my thermos and, you know, the kids Isn't that cute? And, that's nice. <laughs> uh, a, a, a friend of a friend was explaining to me today uh, that, that their friend is in Edmonton. And, you know, those plastic lunch trays, uh, yeah. like the, the cafeteria type tray. They have that, a lunch kit, and a reusable set of forks and knives, a metal straw, and all of this just in their vehicle now, just in case they want McDonald's. I, I don't know what your guys' vehicles are like. My vehicle's a mess. I would not eat off of anything in my <laughs> car. In so, <laughs> I, like, I just, you know, and it, what, are, what are the sanitary concerns? I noticed in the Banff bylaw that they don't have to accept uh, a dirty bag if it's unsanitary. But uh, I know of some people here in Calgary that have been handing the folks at uh, Wendy's McDonald's bags and Burger King's gotten a few uh, Dairy Queen uh, bags. You know, it, is it sanitary to hand fast food employees back a used fast food they're bag? Just, they're encouraging, they're, look, the city will have bag police. They will That's go around and, and they will check it. You know, and it's a, I mean, it's just the whole thing is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Uh, I am not telling which restaurant yesterday did not charge me for a bag when I got my soup and sandwich. Okay, write it okay. down because we're, we're going there. Uh, I was a little shocked. I They asked after I'd already paid if I wanted a bag, and I thought, well, this is going to be awkward, but it's going to be even more awkward carrying my soup and sandwich through the plus 15 <laughs> going like this. Yeah. But, uh, like, it's, you know, inflation's already through the roof. The cost of food is through the roof. People are going grocery shopping, and you know, honestly, we don't mean to not take a bag. I just forget mine. Okay, but you know, we're we're spending way too much time on what a bunch of people did. We should spend time on those people. Mm. You know, in Calgary, the city hall uh, in Edmonton, folks in city hall, this was their idea. I mean, and where did they get the idea? What do they think they're accomplishing? They don't justify it. They just go, yeah, we're doing this. Yeah. You know, we'll keep be, the bags will be going to the landfill. Well, they will. All no, you have to will. do is you, you, you're paying 15 cents for a bag that's going to go to the landfill. Yeah. You know, so it's, you, we can complain about the, the counter experience, but the, ex, what needs to be done again is that people need to look at the people who sit in the city hall and make these idiot decisions. And 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 accost them, not accost them physically, but verbally and or in, in writing letters uh, and say, "You're out. You're out of here." And, and petitions and stuff like that scare the hell out of politicians. If well, they if they think they're not going to get back in, they'll they'll change. I th I think we need to look at um, you know proactive solutions that work. I think people generally will go along with things if they think that it's going to have an effect and if it is going to make a meaningful difference. 
my first job when I was growing up was at McDonald's. And back in the day, like you're talking about the packaging, it was that styrofoam. Oh, yeah. yeah. You got your Big Macs and a styrofoam. And, That's right. Yeah. And of course, the issue that back then was uh, the ozone layer. You know, so, uh, you know, they went whole hog into the paper and things. But um, styrofoam uh, span. If you've Edmonton. ever had to work in the back of a McDonald's restaurant and you see how much of that crap. <laughs> Lights up in the bin and, I don't want to know. and how it smells. Yeah, I don't, don't want to know. know. Then you can kind of go, okay, well, you know what? Maybe there is a solution. And if we could come up with a solution that would work. But see, but we've already come up with a solution. A Calgary company has come up with a solution. Yeah. The co op, Calgary co op, didn't even fight for them. And they helped develop these bags with the city of Calgary, with the city of Calgary uh, waste department. And we're not even using these bags. So in, we have to buy these compostable bags, the the, the paper bags, yeah. or a cloth bag. But we have a perfectly good plastic adjacent type bag that is not plastic. It is compostable. <laughs> I reuse that bag every single time. I bring that bag home from co-op. Uh, it gets used in my house. It goes into my compost bin. It gets filled up with compost, and it goes and it gets composted. That was a common sense. That was a brilliant way to reduce and eliminate waste because I, I we reduced it. By getting rid of the plastic bags, we eliminated plastic, and, and and then I reused it a few times, and then it composted and returned back into dirt. But that's a bad idea. Well, you know, it's so funny because I went to the uh, Calgary Wine Store here last week, just and it was the day after the bylaw came into effect, and I asked for a paper bag for the wine, and normally it doesn't cost anything, right? And the guy said, "Well, it's going to cost a buck." Right? Yeah. I said, "Are you serious?" And he goes, "Yeah, I'm serious." So then next to at the till. They were selling those rolled up compostable bags, like a dozen of them for 75 cents. Yeah. So I went, oh, okay. <laughs> Here, give me the compostable bag. <laughs> well, and, like, honestly, like I co-op is still selling those bags. I may pop in and just go buy some and use those because we use them at home for our uh, organics. Yeah, they're gonna be a lot more convenient to throw in a box in your vehicle. And when you need the bag, like it's gonna be like Kleenex. You're gonna be reaching into the back yeah, of their, right. your vehicle, pulling out all of these bags. But like it, it's just I, I, I'm fine with reducing waste, but I like good ideas. And I don't think charging a fee and making things more inconvenient for people is going to work. I have a closet full of cloth recyclable bags or reusable bags because I forget them. Yeah. And you know, when, and, and you'll, you'll do it, you'll pay the dollar, but nothing's going to change. I still have all of that trash that did not get reused. And as far as I know, those cloth reusable bags are not recyclable. And they're not compostable. I don't know. But, you know, I have the same thing. But I, I figured out the other day, because I'm a little slow at some of these things. <laughs> Once I get home, get stuff out of the out of the bag, I take the bag and put it back in the car. Yeah. So it's there. So yeah. I don't know if I'm going to go someplace and need it or not. But if it if I do, there it is. Instead of going, oh, now i got to buy another one. i got a pile under my desk. Yeah? <laughs> yeah if oh. anybody needs one, just to get under the desk. That's, that's gone after this. No, but I think the, you make another good point, though, is that when you inconvenience people, uh, sometimes you have the opposite effect. Right? Yeah. You yeah. Know, like, instead of accepting a, a reasonable solution where people can, you know, if you just inconvenience them and, and just piss them off, then it's, people yeah. are, are just aren't going to go wrong. Yeah. Then. Well, and yeah. it, even on apps, uh, skip the dishes, uh, Uber Eats, stuff like that. Now they're just tacking on a bag fee, but it's just a 15 cent bag fee. So the amount of bags doesn't seem to matter because Uber Eats doesn't know how many bags you're going to need to package that order. The restaurant doesn't know how many bags you're going to need to package that order. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like some businesses are just going to completely ignore it and say, okay, city, go ahead, come get us. And some businesses are just going to do, okay, 
we'll put 15 cents on. We can't guesstimate, or excuse me, how many bags we're going to need. Yeah. Uh, so we're just going to throw 15 cents on there. And, and other businesses, like you said, uh, co-ops charging a dollar for a paper bag already. Well, it says 15 cents. So please tell me why your paper bag is so expensive. It's, I, I don't know. It's I, a, and it's just a single-use wine bag, you know. Which reminds me, everybody, please vote in the next election. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll talk yeah. about this column for the second time today. December 12th, Preston Manning, 20% of Calgarians support this mayor or voted for this mayor. So 80% were the majority. Let's uh, make some changes in uh, 2025. All right, so moving on. Tucker Carlson is in town. Tucker. Tucker Carlson is in town and holy what I, I, I don't get it. So there's protests going on, I believe in Calgary. Uh, there was a, um, uh, which we'll call it. There was a go or not a GoFundMe, uh, change.org petition, okay. uh, to have yes. him banned from entering Canada. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why, why, why is everybody so up in arms? Fear. About Tucker? They're afraid of him. He, he speaks from the other side of the political line, and he's not afraid to say what he wants to say. I mean, and you got to understand, I mean, a great part of Tucker Carlson is the performance mm -hmm. and, and the amount of money he gets for performing. Uh, for sure. yeah. But uh, mm -hmm. I think the people who start petitions, they're just out out afraid of him. Mm -hmm. um, that that he could influence an election and, and all the people in the right wing get elected. And, and the other people don't. So uh, I think it's fear. I think it's just pure fear. Well, you guys didn't go, but I did. Yeah, you did. You, you handed me off your ticket. So I, I did come down there. Um, protests, not, <laughs> I mean, the security out there was nuts. It was yeah. crazy. Like um, there was definitely way more security personnel and cops than there were protesters. It took me almost an hour to get in. Um, I, I wouldn't consider myself a Tucker fan. Uh, you know, I'm familiar with them. You know, and and uh, he's got the persona and the celebrity and everything, yeah. but he gave a barn burner of a speech. Like um, he doesn't use any notes. There's no teleprompter. He just goes straight from the lip, and uh, that's pretty much exactly what he said. He said the reason these people are afraid of you is because you're telling the truth. Yeah, you know. Yeah, we've got uh, our young Jonathan Bradley in the Edmonton one tonight. So get onto the Western Standard and read about all this stuff. We got uh, Jennifer who covered Calgary and Jonathan covering Edmonton tonight. But uh, yeah, no, not only is a fabulous speaker, um, he's also got quite an extensive Canadian background. His family is originally from Nova Scotia before they emigrated uh, to the States in some kind of generation. So he's, you know, he's, so he's two or three generations removed and uh, he's very familiar with the political scene up here. Uh, he knows lots of Canadians and uh, he basically just said, Canadians are too polite. You guys don't want to talk about this. And, the, you know, and that's the difference between uh, the politics up here and down in the states is because when people are making these changes up here and these liberal governments and you know they're telling you you're wrong we don't want to have to you know stand up and and basically shut them down and yeah. so, so he says when somebody gives you a slogan you know diversity is strength he goes like ask them why how what does you know like we go to the hockey and we see diversity of spray you know and we just all kind of you know okay whatever <laughs> you know yeah. we, that we all try to be too accommodating basically of other people's views well and, and it, that's right again so and i i keep riding the same horse around this room but people got to get involved they got to yeah. question things and go okay I, why prove why is me. that prove it to me yeah, yeah. so yeah. he said like you want to increase immigration to increase the economy of the country 
tell me how it's doing that. He goes, when your house prices are so high, when your healthcare system is overtaxed, he said that he doesn't know one single Canadian now that brags about the healthcare system. No. And he says, because there's just too many people. There's not enough to go around, right? I, I know. Like even <clears throat> just, and he said, that's not racist. That's math. Oh, it, it, for sure. Like I, I am a massive supporter of immigration when it's done intelligently, but we cannot open the doors and bring everyone in when we don't have a house for them. We don't have a doctor for them. We don't have a school for they can't them. Pay for themselves. It, it's like inviting someone over to your house. They show up at your house. It is jam packed full. There's no place to sit. There's nothing to eat. They can't go to the washroom <laughs> and you just tell them to stand out on the front step and freeze, yeah. but enjoy the party. Or they yeah. never leave. Thanks so, for yeah. yeah, he made this joke about, uh, cause his family is Episcopalian <laughs> at Christmas time. And he says, and then everybody shuts up until they have a couple drinks. <laughs> 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 well, and, and even like in the United States, there's some contrast here as well, because they're having a massive illegal immigration crisis. Ours, right. ours is legal. Ours is encouraged. Theirs is illegal. I've seen that uh, Governor uh, Greg Abbott in Texas today put out a letter saying, uh, Biden, if you're not going to take care of this border situation, we are. And this is no longer you're on notice on a letter. This is I have activated the Texas National Guard to defend the interests of Texas. Now, that's not going to happen in Alberta. We don't have an Alberta but National you know, Guard. But I watched the primary in New Hampshire last night and they polled uh, uh, the people. And their number one concern wasn't the economy. It's the border. Yeah. All of a sudden, the, that border crisis down there is number one in New Hampshire for crying out loud. Yeah, yeah. you know. Um, so again, you you get involved. You you see what what's going on. You ask the questions, and it changes things. So uh, Brett Wilson asked him this question. Uh, you know, Tucker, uh, what do you think of a border wall between Canada and the United States? And then he says, uh, Yeah, I think it's a great idea. He goes, But not for the reason that you think. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's to shield you guys from, yeah. uh, you know, guys but, but from us. I would agree with him there because uh, almost all of Canadian gun crime is because of illegal guns smuggled in from the United States. Yep. Now, Canada's drug problem used to be majorly contributed by the United States. That's not true anymore. We've turned those tables around. We now import the drugs from China and we're the problem. Get it, and the drugs are leaving, especially from the West Coast, it, into the United States. And, and like, they they have, the, like liberals and, and uh, the people on the left have essentially made it that if you're against immigration or uh, secure borders in any way, that you're racist. And that is just simply not, not true. true. Not if true. I'm going to invite somebody to my house, I want them to be safe, warm, fed, have health care, be able to get a job, be able to find a place to live. We're going to come and, live with you. And be, <laughs> and be polite. Well, yeah. as good house guests, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we've done nothing. And in fact, we, we started with BC asking to maybe have an itty-bitty decriminalization of an itty-bitty amount of drugs. What, but BC asked for that. How did it end up across the whole country before anybody even noticed? Nothing else was changed. So now you have all these drug labs being set up in Canada to sell to the states. And, you know, being a good neighbor is having a good fence. Yeah. So, well, yeah. you know, we the United States and Canada need to work on their own border. But the border at Mexico and the United States also affects Canada. And, yeah. and these things need, need to be addressed. He made a comment about that as well. And it was not so much about a border thing, but it was about uh, how the government is giving your kids fentanyl, right? Yeah. And he, and he said... They are basically literally killing your kids. Yeah. yeah. 
you know. Uh, well, and we've seen that this is happening in BC, and it's know, happening without parental BC. permission. Right. And, and that is psychotic. Like, look at the way we uh, put warnings on cigarettes and cannabis uh, compared to how uh, those um, info pamphlets that came out of Medicine Hat on crack and meth. Yeah. How? I'm terrified to look at my cigarette packages. The ones that started coming out this year, the new ads, they're effective. They're mm -hmm. graphic. Some of them are a little stomach churning. But we are handing out free crack pipes and teaching kids how to safely smoke meth. So, you know, it, Tucker has a lot Assuming of... That it's safe. But the other thing yeah. when handing out the free drugs is you're creating a revenue stream for those people because they get the free thing to go out and sell them on the street. Yeah. So the, 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 the people who get the free drugs are making money off it. Yep. Well, and, and, but then Tucker stands up and says something against these things and they instantly push him and say, nope, that's just alt-right. That yep. is well, your conspiracy theories. Yeah. It, it's everything. So I've got issues with Tucker. I, I'm not Tucker Carlson's biggest fan. Um, <laughs> if, if any reporter costs the Western Standard a billion dollars, I'm probably not going <laughs> to like them either. But I promise. I promise. <laughs> free speech is so fundamental to yes. a functioning democracy and it it mind boggles me and blows my mind that these people want to shut him down from speaking in canada i have been saying this since the day we announced the event if you don't want to hear tucker carlson speak don't go, don't go. It, you can shut off your phone you don't have to follow him on twitter you can even block him you can hit the mute button he's got a new show on rumble we're also on rumble i hope all you guys are watching on rumble if you're on our youtube channel make sure you switch over to rumble join the conversation there but you know rumble has been this growing platform because unlike youtube they're not censoring every single thing they have very broad rules if it's not illegal and it's not i believe pornography it's generally allowed on rumble and, and that is it's kind of ironic that tucker carlson is now doing his shows based on free speech yeah. and canada which should be one of the best protected free speech countries on the planet there's a group of people that just want to shut that speech down yeah yeah out of fear yeah it, it's fear. it's it's really disappointing so um Last thing, we uh, we had this note on here. Actually, no, I want to go back to Tucker a little bit longer. Yeah. So as you said, Jen is out covering Tucker in Calgary. But uh, tonight, the big event, uh, Rogers Place, what is, I think it's 15,000 or just under 15,000 yeah, like people. Yeah. It would be something like that, yeah. It's Hawk Green. Yeah, and, uh, and he's got uh, Conrad Black and Rex Murphy yes. with him. And I am jealous. I am, I am a massive fan of Rex Murphy. Uh, what kind of message do you think Rex Murphy is going to send to Canada, specifically the West, tonight? So I think he's, uh, speak your mind. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to, to say what you think. Don't let, let the, uh, the left-wing radicals, I guess that they are, intimidate you. Uh, stand up and, and, and go about your business and, and get other people involved. I think that would be his message. I, did, I can't. I can't obviously speak for him, but um, and because I do, I'm with you on that. I, I really like that guy. Yeah, yeah. I uh, every time I read one of his columns, I read it in his voice and exactly the way he would say it. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it I, I actually do it with Nigel as well. <laughs> it's from when Nigel, Nigel, uh, when he's on the show or when he used to read some of his columns for video work. Uh, just the way he reads it, the way he speaks. Now, when I when I read one of his columns, <laughs> yeah. I hear his voice in my head the yeah, whole way no, through. Yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, finally, uh, last thing we've got on the list here, sneaky fourth topic, uh, the Alberta pension plan. So is that done? Did did the United Conservative Party just give up? Uh, Are they going to throw their hat in? What do we think? Uh, I was talking to a lady when that was first uh, announced. Uh, and she's she's collecting CPP and she's was like totally against the Alberta pension plan because she didn't think she didn't understand it. She thought it, she was going to lose her, her pension. She wasn't going to get any money. And I think that's a, a general thought, especially among the, the older people like me, um, who <laughs> I don't I, why wait, <laughs> who who don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And I think the Alberta government could do a lot better job explaining it and i think they may have just gone under the under the cloud cover for a bit to to get organized to get the word out there properly of how actually it works Mm -hmm. because they just went well i'll get three billion dollars from cpp and we'll do this we'll do that and nobody believed it just it sounded like no that can't be happening well i uh i do know because i sat in a in on a session here uh out at pritis uh, a couple That's of months right. back before Christmas and Travis Taves was talking and they had been working on the uh, pension plan reform even before, uh, well, when Jason Kenney was still premier and he was still finance minister and he was basically saying, so they're waiting for this actuator's report on how much they are actually going to get back. He yeah. said, because when they saw that $344 billion number, he goes, their eyes popped. Oh, of course. Yeah. And he goes, <laughs> if it's even half that much, you know, then this is an easy sell, right? Yeah. But the problem is, is that we don't know how much it is or no, no, or how their Ottawa is going to respond. And we need to know that. We need to find out. Well, they need they need yeah. us more than well, we need them. And I don't think until I don't think anything's going to move on this until we actually get the. Sure. I think it's the parliamentary budget officer that's putting out the report on how much Alberta's well, portion actually is. Yeah. Parliamentary budget officer is fairly empathetic to. Uh, these kinds of causes that we are. I like him because he is no nonsense. And all he ever says is exactly how much something's going to cost. There's no politics. There's no feelings. There's no nothing. There's numbers. That's the way it should be. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you very much for joining us. If you are not already a member of the Western Standard, check out www.westernstandard.news subscribe. You can get a membership there for $100 a year or $10 a month. And we should appreciate your support. It's uh, support from our members and uh, folks watching like you that let us do these things, that let us give away free tickets to Tucker Carlson, that let us put the shows on. So thanks for joining us and uh, we'll see you next time. Canadian Shooting Sports Association, without the CSSA, our gun rights would have been taken long, long ago. These guys are on the front lines helping to draft smart and intelligent firearms regulations and legislation in Canada and more importantly, educating the public about how we keep guns out of the hands of the wrong people. Become a member, it's absolutely worth every penny. You can become a Western Standard member for just $10 a month or $99 a year for unlimited access.